Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome to the Smirconish Podcast for independent minds. Hi, everybody. TGIF. I know it's a momentous day. Big, big story. We are all following. The nation holds its collective breath. Our fingers all crossed for a successful outcome for TC's hip surgery on Monday. So let's get right to it. Yeah, that's it. That's what was, everybody's tuned in for right now. Was, was there something? <laughs> was there something else in the news? Is there some other headline that we need to be talking about? I don't think so. No, definitely not. Thank you, Are though, you re- Are you ready, TC? Is all the prep concluded? There's no – I love that you think I'm you know, drinking chalky substances. Wrong, wrong procedure. Uh, but all is well in the world, and I am ready and um, psyched and just like, let's, let's go. I would do it t- this, today this, if they let me. Uh, this story has a great leg to stand on, and we wish you the best of luck. <laughs> <laughs> Godspeed to TC. Wishing all Thanks, good guys. things for you. TC at an undisclosed, secure location as That's she continues right. her prep. And I respect the prep, that for, fact for the for the for prep. getting her the work done. <laughs> exactly. For getting, for getting all her work done. For getting all of her work done. Hey, going um, under. You might as well. Ladies and gentlemen, on that other story that has captivated us all, I want to propose an alternative history. Uh, Jeff Greenfield does a great job going back and looking at political events through the lens of an alternative history. So here is my alternative history. And you need to hear this before you vote on the poll question of the day today at Smirconish.com. This is the Smirconish podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. 
Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM Channel 124, and on the SXM app. Assume that in the 2020 election, Biden beats Trump. In fact, in my hypothetical, Biden beats Trump by the exact same numbers that Biden did beat Trump. In the Electoral College, it's 306 to 232. In the popular vote percentage, it's 51.3 to 46.8. Meaning, in this instance, Joe Biden garnered 81 million votes and Donald Trump 74 million. Those are the actual numbers, uh, as best I can determine. Only in my alternative history, Donald Trump accepts defeat. In my alternative history, there's never a call to Brad Raffensperger. There's never an effort to lean on Mike Pence. There's no, there's no move afoot in select states to propose alternative electoral college members. None of that. There's no storming of the Capitol. January 6th is a day recorded for no particular reason in American history. Does he take the documents? I don't know if he takes the documents. I don't I don't think it's really relevant for my hypothetical. In my hypothetical, Donald Trump and Melania Trump attend the Biden inauguration. They're there. He's not happy about it. He's frumpy, but he's physically there. And as a matter of fact, when the inauguration of Biden-Harris is concluded, Donald Trump and Melania Trump, they board Marine One. They do the loop around the Capitol. They go to Andrews. They land. They get on Air Force One for the final flight to West Palm Beach. And upon arrival at Mar-a-Lago, he begins a new chapter of his life. It is a, a life of golf. It is a life of big money speeches. It's a life of Donald Trump playing the role of the GOP elder. He still makes waves. I I need to make this realistic, okay? He still makes waves in social media. Trump is still Trump. And people come and kiss the ring. But he's not dominating the news. And he's not running for president today in 2023. Okay, that is my alternative history. And now comes my question to all of you. Would he be facing this indictment? And if your answer to that question is an honest no, then what, if anything, does it say about this indictment? It's not a hypothetical that I could apply to Fonnie Willis or to Merrick Garland, but I can apply it to this. This, a case stemming 
from 2016 payments made to a porn star and a Playboy Playmate. Relying on what the Washington Post and the New York Times have described as a risky or novel legal theory to elevate a misdemeanor into felony status so as to, well, increase the heft of it and to get around a statute of limitations. You know, predicated on Donald Trump having recorded the hush money as a legal expense and falsified business records, a misdemeanor for which the statute of limitations runs after two years. So now put on top is that he violated campaign finance law, whether that's at the state level, or the federal level. We still don't know because the indictment is under seal. But in my alternative history, would he be facing charges if, if Trump had gone quietly or more quietly into that night and were not an announced candidate and the events of January 6th hadn't taken place, would he be facing indictment by the Manhattan DA today? I argue he would not. Shouldn't that tell us something about this particular case against Donald Trump? If you if you believe that he would not be facing this indictment for having taken an alternative approach. I think it tells you you believe this to be a political charge. And that is today's political that is today's poll question at Smirconish is the prosecution of Donald Trump by Alvin Bragg political. I took a look. There's already a lot of voting. I think people are. I think people are suiting up in their usual partisan jerseys. I encourage you not to do that and to think about the framing that I've just added to this story. Of course, the real story is that last night at 7.15, the Manhattan DA made it official with this statement. This evening, we contacted Mr. Trump's attorney to coordinate his surrender to the Manhattan DA's office for arraignment on a Supreme Court indictment, which remains under seal. Guidance will be provided when the arraignment date is selected. Would it be taking place if Trump were not running? If instead he'd gone quietly into that night? Every day at Smirconish.com, there are 20 aggregated links that I painstakingly select. I'd be embarrassed to tell you how much time I put into the reading that goes into the show prep and eventually what am I going to put forth in the daily newsletter. Thank you to the many, many 100,000 strong fans of the Smirconish.com daily newsletter. Today's a little unusual because the top five stories are all related to this. It's big. And we're going to spend the program today talking about all of it. With a very special guest in studio, by the way, in the second hour of the program. One of the brightest legal minds in the nation. He's going to be 10 feet away from me in the second hour of the program. He's also controversial. I'm telling you that up front, but that he is one of the most uh, astute political obser- uh, legal observers is unquestioned. The first of the links is pretty straightforward. It's the Associated Press coverage of what we know, the bare bones of the indictment of Donald Trump. I was wrong yesterday in thinking that there were three scenarios when there ended up being four. I mean, one scenario was that Trump had backed down Alvin Bragg. I talked about that. Another scenario was that Donald Trump had caused Alvin Bragg to slow walk while Jack Smith, the special counsel, would speed to catch up. My third scenario was that Trump had already been indicted, something that I also said Wednesday night on CNN. You know, the possibility having existed that a vote had been taken. 
I was off a little. A vote hadn't been taken on Wednesday. A vote was taken yesterday. Again, what the charges actually are, we don't know. Story number two from the New York Post, it sets up what's going to be, I think, a spectacle of never-before-seen proportion when he appears for arraignment on Tuesday in New York City. And I don't know. I don't know that Trump is is going to come in through the back door. There's been a lot of talk, and I'm reading all the stories about what a challenge this is for the Secret Service. By I'll bet you sophisticated POTUS listeners probably already know that today every cop in New York City has to show up in uniform today. Uh, could be wrong. Hope that I'm not wrong. I don't think anything will take place of any consequence today. I don't know what happens on Tuesday. I don't know what happens on Tuesday, but I think that I think that Donald Trump relishes this fight. Do I believe that in his heart of hearts he's happy to be indicted and thinks he gets political advantage at? No, I don't believe that. I don't think anybody wants to be indicted. I think that in Trump's case, if you're going to indict him for something, he wants to be indicted for a relationship with a porn star and a Playboy playmate. Yes, that that I think if if you said to him, you know, sir, as he likes to do in his rallies, you will be indicted for something in your life. What would you like it to be? Uh, how about a porn star and a Playboy Playmate? So Tuesday is a day to circle on all of our calendars. Third story at Smirconish.com today, USA Today. Who is Michael Cohen? The number of times that Michael Cohen went before that grand jury leads me to believe that in the end, it's all resting on his shoulders. That's a conversation that I had here with Lanny Davis just last week, Michael Cohen's attorney. The fourth story that I selected is about how, yes, it looks like the focus of the Manhattan grand jury is not only Stormy Daniels, but it's also Karen McDougal. Maybe he's being charged in connection with that case. I don't know. Maybe they're trying to establish a pattern or practice on the part of Donald Trump, and that's why the McDougal case is back in play. And the fifth headline that I selected for Smirconish.com today is all about the reaction. You know, Republicans have closed ranks. Republicans whom I believe if if they could go in a ballot booth and close the curtain and we wouldn't know and they were voting yay or nay on Trump, I believe like almost to a person they'd be voting nay. But so in fear are they of the MAGA base, Mike Pence, that instead they're they're all rallying to Trump's defense, all of them. Even DeSantis and Governor DeSantis being criticized in some MAGA quarters because in his defense of Trump, he doesn't name Trump. But but even DeSantis, all of them, Nikki Haley, Mike Pompeo, Mike Pence, Vivek Ramaswamy, all of them saying things about this indictment, believing it to be a a political indictment and and a a witch hunt of Trump. I have another question to, to pose at the outset of the program today. If the Bragg indictment were not the first indictment, if the first indictment, let me just see, of the three others that are out there, Fonnie Willis and the two that stem from Garland, more specifically from Jack Smith, the special counsel, loosely the events of January 6th and the Mar-a-Lago documents, which I believe to be an obstruction case. Let's say that the Mar-a-Lago obstruction case were the first to be announced that Donald Trump imagine that today's news that Alvin Bragg had done nothing and that Jack Smith 
had recommended to Merrick Garland and Merrick Garland agreed and indicted Donald Trump for obstruction of justice relative to the Mar-a-Lago documents. Would all of the Republicans whom I'm about to identify be saying the same thing about the documents case? I don't think so. Would they all be saying the same thing about Fonnie Willis? Maybe, you know, maybe Fulton County DA, Manhattan DA, it's political. I think this was I think this was an easy one for them. I think this was a layup for them because they get to establish credentials with the Make America Great Again movement. They all are afraid of that base. Why else would Mike Pence be reluctant to testify? Why else wouldn't he have testified in front of the January 6? I'm not buying the constitutional argument. I think I think a lot of them are trying to have it both ways. They'd love to get some distance from Trump, but they're scared to death of that which he has wrought. I don't know. Just file that away. What if one of the other indictments had gone first? Instead, you've got Jim Jordan, you know, outrageous. Kevin McCarthy. uh, This has irreparably damaged our country in an attempt to interfere in our presidential election. It has weaponized our sacred system of justice against Donald Trump. Ronnie Jackson, who used to be the president's physician now is a member of congress alvin bragg is a national embarrassment ted cruz you think there's love between ted cruz remember what trump said about cruz's father perfect example of what i'm talking about if if ted cruz could go into a booth and close the curtain and and you know you remember the dunk tanks at like a county fair if he could just go in there and dunk trump and be done with him oh i'd 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 bet my dollar on the fact that that Cruz, like Kevin McCarthy, I could have said the same thing about McCarthy, be like, yeah, let's just be done with him. But publicly today, Ted Cruz, the Democrats party, the Democrat party's hatred for Donald Trump knows no bounds. Josh Harley, they're going to regret this. J.D. Vant, political persecution masquerading as law. And of course, Trump himself Via Truth Social last night, they've engaged in a witch hunt to destroy Make America Great Again. You remember it just like I do. Russia, 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 the Mueller hoax, Ukraine, 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 impeachment, and on and on and on. In the middle of the night, 246, maybe he was getting up to, you know, run to the head the way I do. I don't know. But he put out via Truth Social, where's Hunter? 246 a.m. Mike Pence was on with Wolf Blitzer last night, noting that, Alvin Bragg is a prosecutor who, quote, literally ran for office on the pledge to indict the former president. DeSantis, the weaponization of the legal system to advance a political agenda, turns the rule of law on its head. It's un-American. The Soros-backed Manhattan district attorney has consistently bent the law to downgrade felonies and and excuse criminal conduct. Now he's stretching the law to target a political opponent. How about this line? Florida will not assist... In an extradition request, given the questionable circumstances at issue with this Soros, wow, really? So now you're going to play with the law too? You think this is a political prosecution and consequently you're going to get all political and Florida will not assist in extradition? Extradition is not going to be required. But I mean, that statement from DeSantis is as bad as as Bragg acting with a political motive, if he is acting with a political motive. I don't know. Maybe Donald Trump would have retired at Mar-a-Lago and uh, gone quietly into that night, and Bragg would have indicted him anyway. But I don't think so. Speaker Pelosi, former Speaker Pelosi, 
the grand jury has acted upon the facts and the law. No one is above the law. Everyone has the right to a trial to prove innocence. What? Everyone has the right to a trial to prove. Donald Trump doesn't have to prove anything. He has to prove nothing. The burden is entirely on Alvin Bragg. I'm surprised that that was her tweet. What else surprised me rather than just those who are suiting up in their usual armor? How about Stormy Daniels? I have so many messages coming in that I can't respond. Also, I don't want to spill my champagne. She's good at this. She is really good at this. She also notes that her merch and autograph orders are pouring in. Thank you for that as well, but allow a few extra days for shipment. She's so busy shipping merchandise that she can't keep up. The newspapers were kind of predictable, um, although I have to note this because we've seen the evidence of Murdoch wanting distance from Trump. There have been a number of ways that we've seen it, not the least of, of which have been the coverage afforded Ron DeSantis in the Wall Street Journal and the New York Post. But the Journal and the Post are totally on the Trump train today. That's a bit of a curiosity. Uh, the Washington Post surprised me. New York Times, you know, wrote what I thought the New York Times would write. I like I like the outliers and the Washington Post is an outlier. It begins this way. Donald Trump deserves the legal scrutiny he's getting, which has come from many corners on many counts. Yet of the long list of alleged violations, the likely charges on which a grand jury in New York state voted to indict him are perhaps the least compelling. There's cause for concern and caution ahead. And then further along. The Post says public perception and political strategy shouldn't dissuade a district attorney from bringing a solid case. But neither should they persuade him to bring a shaky one. This prosecution needs to be airtight. Otherwise, it's not worth continuing. Washington Post, I think, raising the same question I am. Is it political? Public perception and public strategy shouldn't dissuade a district attorney from bringing a solid case, but neither should they persuade him to bring a shaky one. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact.
Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM Channel 124, and on the SXM app. He is a Berkeley Law professor. Now, if I only told you that about John Yu, you might get the wrong impression. He's the Emanuel Heller Professor of Law at the University of California at Berkeley. He's also a non-resident senior fellow at the American Enterprise Institute. Okay, that gives you more of an indication as to where he's coming from. How about this? A visiting fellow at the Hoover Institution at Stanford University. His 10th book, count them, 10th book, Defender-in-Chief, Trump's Fight for Presidential Power. That was published by St. Martin's in 2020. He has served in all three branches of government. He was an official in the U.S. Department of Justice, where he worked on national security and terrorism issues after the 9-11 attacks, served as general counsel of the U.S. Senate Judiciary Committee, graduated from Yale Law School, Harvard College. Can I also say, Professor, you've provided legal counsel previously to President Donald Trump? Sure, you could say that. <laughs> uh, did you ever serve in a formal capacity in his administration? No, no, I, I didn't want to take that step because I probably wouldn't have lasted that long. Okay, but can I say that he courted you? Is that fair? <laughs> well, I don't have $130,000 to show for that. <laughs> Touche. All right. Uh, so fortuitous that you are here today. Let me tell you what you've stepped into. I came on air a, an, an hour ago, and I said... Professor Yu, that I wanted my audience to assume an alternative history. And in my alternative history, Joe Biden beats Donald Trump in 2020 by the exact same margin that he beat him. But that Donald Trump accepts defeat, goes to the inauguration, boards Marine One, then Air Force One, goes to Mar-a-Lago and assumes a life of golf, big money speeches and GOP elder statesmanlike activities. Would he, in that alternative history, and now I'm going to ask you, be facing indictment today in Manhattan? I don't think so. So therefore, you believe it's a political prosecution? It's inevitably a political prosecution because the DA here is elected by the people of New York. It's a partisan election. He's a Democrat. He campaigned on the idea of prosecuting President Trump. But what's a bigger tell, I think, is that... The facts in this case are really weak. The law, the the contortions that the DA is trying to spin himself into to get at Donald Trump are even weaker. And actually, I think if you're interested in holding President Trump accountable for what he may or may have done on January 6th or classified information, this first prosecution is the worst one possible to bring. And it's so political and it's so weak at the same time that I think it's going to cloud the other investigations, too, and it's going to make harder for justice to be done in the end. Right. I mean, among the four that we think we know of, Fonnie Willis, the Fulton County DA, this and two from Jack Smith, one pertaining to January 6th and the other pertaining to Mar-a-Lago. Would you agree with me that Mar-a-Lago is most perilous to Trump? I think that's right, Michael. That one has probably the strongest facts. That one probably has President Trump most directly involved. And I think. 
I agree. I mean, I think the question <clears throat> really is we've never indicted a president before. It's unprecedented. Right? With 200 and almost 35 years of our republic, we've never indicted an ex-president. We've certainly never indicted the leading one of the two major party candidates for the next election uh, either. And so we should ask ourselves if we're going to break that tradition. And the tradition exists because we don't want presidents to always be looking over their shoulder when they make tough decisions. Do we want to break that long tradition, which I think has been good for the country, in order to get President Trump for hush money payments? Now, other things like January 6th are far more important, and the investigation is still going on. Even the classified information probe is far more important than this, and that's still going on too. You, you, are, you are assuming that there's not more than we think is in the public domain about this case, meaning they say 34 different charges, right? I mean, perhaps there's something more going on than just payments that were made to Stormy Daniels. Could it be a bank fraud case? Could it be a tax fraud case more so than it is a hush money case? I don't know. I, I could see uh, 34 counts, for example, every time President Trump allegedly paid Michael Cohen, the star witness. I mean, we haven't gotten too much in the facts, but right, Michael Cohen, his former lawyer, who's really playing the role of bagman here, allegedly carrying the money to Stormy Daniels and then asking to be paid back. Each time he President Trump paid him could be a count. Each time it was entered on the books could be a count. Now, I'm not sure. I don't see anybody could be sure exactly what's going on with the indictment because it's still under seal. It'll be revealed, I assume, next week. It sounds like Tuesday. President, yeah, yeah. Trump will be arraigned on Tuesday. But based on the witnesses people have seen coming in and out of the grand jury room, it doesn't look like a broader investigation. It really does look focused on the hush money payments. And we've also had uh, some witnesses come out and talk in public about what they were saying to the grand jury. And so it does seem to be narrowly focused, unfortunately, on this sordid Affair. So paying hush money, let's get into the facts, at least as we think we know them. Paying hush money itself is not illegal, right? Uh, no, if it were, half of Hollywood and Wall Street would be in jail right okay. now. So so then how does he get tripped up by paying hush money? Put, put on a mm. prosecutor's hat. Mm. Yeah, that's a hat I like wearing much better than a defense. Go ahead. I know. It suits you well. <laughs> so basically here, as you said, Michael, Paying someone for a non-disclosure agreement itself is not illegal. Apparently, what the New York DA is saying is illegal here is that President Trump, when he made those payments, he mischaracterized it on the corporate books as legal services. Right? He should have called them whatever, but instead he called them legal services. He should have paid them personally. <clears throat> so President Trump was trying to essentially save some money on his taxes, it sounds like. And so when he called them legal services, that was misrepresenting on the corporate books what these payments were for. That The problem with that is that's just what we call a misdemeanor in the law. That's not punishable by any major jail time. But even worse, in New York State, you only have two years to bring a misdemeanor. And so that clock ticked. It's been over for five years. And so the problem with the, for the DA here is how do I take this charge that's been closed for five years now? I should have brought it five years ago. How do I turn that into what's called a felony, a major crime that's punishable by significant jail time and for which I get more time to bring the case? So what he's done, and this is the real problem, I think actually it's unconstitutional what he's doing here, is he's claiming, well, what President Trump did is violate federal campaign law. He actually made himself a campaign contribution. 
because he was helping himself out in 2016 by keeping the story quiet in his race for the presidency. The reason I think there's a big problem with it, there's a lot of problems with that part of it. Like, is that even a violation of federal campaign law? How does someone violate campaign law by doing something that he would have done even if we weren't running for president? But the main problem is the Supreme Court has made clear many times that only federal prosecutors can prosecute people for federal crime. State prosecutors prosecute state crime. Federal prosecutors prosecute for a federal crime. And here, the federal prosecutors looked at this. They're the ones who brought charges against Michael Cohen. He pled guilty to them. And then they decided not to bring charges against, against President Trump. So how does this elected Democrat DA in New York City have the right to run around the country charging people with violations of federal law? It's unconstitutional. So a couple of things that I, I wanted to respond to. The statute of limitations question. If you can't indict a sitting president, then doesn't four more years get put on the clock for charging someone who was president? That's interesting. I mean, this first of all, this is not about anything he did while he was president. Right. So he could have been charged during his presidency. Actually, I, you know, Michael, I, you know, we've been around, around the block long enough. We remember Clinton versus Jones, right? Paula right. Jones. Sure. And remember, there was this case. Paula Jones claimed that Bill Clinton had sexually harassed her while he was governor. But she brought the charges while he was president. And he tried to say, look, I'm too busy. As president of the United States, I'm too busy. I can't deal with private people suing me for things that happened before I was president. And the Supreme had to go all the way to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court said, I think, uh, seven to zero or seven to one, that no, if it's something that you did in your non-presidential life, you can't claim I can't be sued. So the New York DA could have brought this case while Trump was but president. Professor, that was a civil suit, right? Mm -hmm. We're talking here about a criminal case. Well, criminal actually makes it even stronger on the side of the prosecution. Usually presidents can't really claim immunity from criminal prosecution. When, the, when there's a criminal prosecution involved, the interests of the other side, you know, the side against a president, is usually considered even stronger than a civil case. But you're right, it is a different... The, the, so this, in Clinton versus Jones, the court did not rule on criminal cases, but we assume after that case that a criminal prosecution at the state level would go forward too. Something else I, I wanted to say in terms of the issue of, okay, now turn it into a, a felony by adding in the violation of federal election law, and you note that the Southern District took a look at that. My colleague and my friend, Ellie Honig, wrote a whole book recently and had the most revealing discussion that I've seen anywhere about what went on in the Southern District when they looked at it and decided that it was too trivial hmm. for them to pursue. But theoretically, if these facts lend themselves to a prosecution for violation of federal law, and if the statute hasn't run, today the Southern District yes. could bring that case, right? Yeah. Theoretically. Yes. So no, that's exactly so, right. So, I mean, even up until now, if the feds, let me say it more simply for the audience, if I can think it more simply, if the feds believed these facts presented a violation of federal law, nothing stops them today from bringing this case. Other than it might have run too long, but you're exactly right. What do you mean run too long? You mean the, the statute of limitations? The statute of limitations even for federal uh, crime might have run too long. But look, President Joe Biden could order his attorney general, Merrick Garland, to tell the special counsel, this fellow Jack Smith, who's investigating January 6th and the classified documents fiasco at Mar-a-Lago, which you mentioned, I think, Michael, rightly, that that's the, you know, that might be the hardest charges for Trump to beat. He could just add that 
and include that in an investigation too. There's not there's nothing that prevents that. In fact, that's what the Constitution wants to happen, not to allow any state or local DA to cook up federal charges and bring them against former presidents. Let, let me let me play devil's advocate for Donald Trump. Okay, and I want to go back in your uh, presentation of what we think went on here. So he's running for president and Stormy Daniels is out there. And if you know the whole sequence, it's in the aftermath of the Access Hollywood tape. So we're truly now in the 11th hour of the campaign. She reemerges, seeming to think that this is her moment because Trump is vulnerable to collect money that she had wanted to collect previously. If Donald Trump decides because he's a husband, because he's a father or before he's a, because he's a candidate. But if he decides I am going to pay her and make this go away, why is it not a legal expense? Hmm. So they claimed that it was lawyer's work. This is not really lawyer's work. This is just a payoff. I mean, he just had a, a lawyer carry the money, basically. So just because a lawyer did it, it's not a legal expense. It's a, you know, he's just paying her off for the contract. But, and, and not to not to pay off to make a, a let, let's say that he regarded it as a frivolous lawsuit. You mm. know, de- yes. potential potential uh, defendants are constantly paying to make cases go away. Um, if he, dis- I'm sure, I'm sure McDonald's does this a hundred thousand times a day. Okay, so <laughs> right. we're, we're paying. We just don't, you know, it's it's a hassle. We want to make it go. Is that not illegal? If I if I mm. say to McDonald's, I slipped out front, and they just want me to go away. That's a legal expense, isn't it? It's usually when you call legal expenses, it's the lawyer's work, right? Which, get, based on everything we know about Michael Cohen. There's no way any work he ever did was worth $130,000. You know, I have to tell you something. You've probably never taken a look at the document that he drafted for, for Stormy Daniels. Maybe I should be embarrassed to tell you I did. I, I looked at it like three years ago, and I was pretty impressed with it. And I told him so. Um, okay, one other thing I wanted to ask you. Relative to the, the election law claim that could be brought mm. against Donald mm. Trump, what if Donald Trump says – I, I, yes, I paid that money because I didn't want to jeopardize my marriage. Melania and I were on the rocks. Uh, it had nothing to do with the presidential race. That's why, that, as I said, if you uh, took seriously this interpretation of a federal law, I don't think the prosecution succeeds anyway. That's, I think, another reason why the Southern District in New York, the U.S. attorneys up there, didn't bring this case. Uh, and you've got election law experts saying this is really a tenuous, really tenuous interpretation of campaign law. Because let me just set it briefly. The idea of federal campaign law is that if you spend some money on something because you're running for office and it's related to that run, then you charge your campaign fund. But if it's stuff that you would have spent money on anyway, you can't go around charging campaign funds for that. If you're sending your kids to fancy private school while you're a candidate, you can't use campaign funds. Some have tried that. Yeah, some people have tried. Or, you know, dry cleaning, food, you know, you <clears throat> home mortgage payments, right? You have to keep paying your personal expenses out of, you know, personal funds. And so what Trump's defense is going to be is I would have paid this anyway. I don't want my wife and family humiliated anytime someone would have come forward with this kind of what he would say frivolous made up story Maybe we would have paid them to go away. In fact, it's strange. It might help his defense if he said, look, I've paid hundreds of women, right. thousands, millions of dollars over <laughs> the years to, yeah, to, go, to go away. And here's, here's the important thing is, and I think the U.S. attorneys in New York would have had good reason to think they would lose because there was exactly 
this kind of theory brought in a prosecution against Senator John Edwards. You know, people remember after he had lost his vice presidential race, he was put on trial because he'd made payments to a mistress of his that had actually had his child and went to jury on the same theory that that payoff was an effort to keep the story quiet during the remember the 2004 campaign when it was Kerry Edwards and the jury acquitted him. So if you're a prosecutor, you're not going to try this theory again. It doesn't work. No courts upheld it. Is is part of the theoretical violation of election law here that he didn't disclose $130,000 as having been given to his campaign? Yeah, it's actually a very strange argument. It's, it, but is that right? Yeah, yeah. I'm confused. Yeah, yeah. This is this is essentially what the New York DA is saying is you shouldn't have used your private money to pay or you should have used campaign funds to pay her, which is a very strange argument to think of it. And then when you use campaign funds, eventually it's disclosed. You disclose all your donors. You disclose your expenditures. Is it possible there's something we don't know? Is it possible they've got something much, much bigger and you and I next Tuesday are going to look back on our Friday conversation and say, wow, were we wrong? I really trust the New York DA to leak fully and fairly and everywhere they can, as they seem to have been doing for the last few months. This is a thing with Trump. I, I don't know if you, Michael, what you think this is. We seem to know more than we want to know about him. Right. <laughs> what else? What else, How much worse could it be than this? Are you here yeah. feeling any sense of obligation, given your own political viewpoint, to carry water for him? No, not at all. I mean, the thing that I really care about in all this is the institution of the presidency. And I've come many times on your show to talk about that. What worries me is not about what happens to Donald Trump. What worries me is what happens to the institution of the presidency. What happens to the incentives for people to do a good job while they're president? So my my main focus on this is if you're going to break our tradition of not prosecuting former presidents, which I think would have bad incentives on future presidents, then go after President Trump for a serious abuse of power like January 6th, like classified documents, because if he really broke the law – there, that's serious enough to break our 235 years of not indicting and chasing former presidents down. John Yu is a law professor at UC Berkeley. The Smirconish Podcast for independent minds. Listen to Michael Smirconish live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124 or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts.